uh, one firearms agent from, you know, feds and all that. Um, you also had damaged cars, uh, also smashed windows. The fireworks were supposed to be set off in a tractor trailer in a South L.A. neighborhood. But according to L.A. Chief, um, Chief of Police Michael Moore, this was a, that's a common ass name, dude. Isn't that a director name too? Michael Moore, dude. Anyways, there was a total catastrophic failure of that containment vehicle. Now that's what he says. That's an obvious, that's the obvious. Like I said, nine officers uh, were, and a federal agent were also sent to the, also sent to the hospital with injuries. Now fireworks, like I said, are legal to trade, sorry, I guess trade too, right? Sell or have uh, in LA and all over the area. And uh, in March, there was a fireworks explosion that killed two people and caused 3.2 million in damages. So I understand where they would have some issues. Uh, police actually recently seized 3,005, 3,005,000 pounds of uh, fireworks actually before that explosion. My thing about it is, look now, um, they gonna buy these these fireworks maybe you charge choose who you can catch but i mean i don't know i mean wrangling wrangling up you know all types of fireworks pinpointing out neighborhoods and i noticed specifically they went to south la so that's latino or black right so come on now we know what it is so i mean i mean you just wanted to fuck over somebody's fourth and it backfired on y'all sorry um, moving on, uh, we have some football news to go over. Now, Washington, yeah, they've been in the news recently. They don't have a they don't have a team name, but again, we're talking about them. They don't even have a team. They don't have a team name yet. You know, they're just a football team. Fucking generic, dude. Generic as hell, and they still getting pressed like this. Again, I got love for them because my family is fans. But let's get into this story. The NFL has recently fined the Washington football team ten million because they don't have a a name uh the 10 million dollars which is what and owner dan snyder has been forced to fall back from day-to-day -day operations after a months-long investigation found out that the workplace has a highly impre uh, unprofessional environment particularly towards women not only that they are garbage they're a garbage football team and obviously they treat their people their staff garbage ain't that about a bitch but again the lead investigator on the case, Beth Wilkinson, would interview about 150 current and former employees, and uh, the NFL Special Counsel for Investigations, Lisa Friesel, sorry, Lisa Friel, would go on to say, the culture at the club was very toxic, and it fell short of the NFL values, and we hold ownership to a higher standard. I'm going to say this, I don't believe that hype, because, you know, this guy is still an owner. And uh, we've been hearing drama and all different types of bullshit about this team for many different years now. And they've been, even from a football standpoint, from the, you know, the ridiculous uh, contract signs that they had and the players that they've had come through there as free agents, Albert Haynes, work, all that type of dumb stuff. And uh, this is just, and if I'm not mistaken, I think we've been around this, um, this block before with, you know, uh, Dan Snyder and or the Washington, you know, whatever you want to call them right now, uh, football team dealing with these uh, host, you know, hostile work environments. So uh, if the league really truly felt this way that, you know, then they would 
you know, mark him out of the league. The problem uh, with this is the fact that uh, he happens to be a uh, owner of a team that's in a profitable market. That is the Washington D.C. market, and uh, they seem to be profitable despite them losing so much, and despite them, you know, just I can't, you know, not out, you know, not winning their conference or just, you know, consistently. But again, this is the way it is, and as long as this team. Is profitable as long as this team is generating some income or a lot of income for that matter for the NFL. Then that's what matters. That's why certain players have been getting certain passes, certain players, certain players haven't. Uh, that's just the way. I mean, it's just the way that they're going to do it. Unfortunately, that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, also, um, in the investigation, it was revealed that pretty much the upper management did nothing in terms of addressing any type of workplace situations such as sexual harassment. So that's going to be an issue uh, as well, no matter how you look at it. Um, on Tuesday, I believe actually last Tuesday, um, Snyder would uh, pretty much name his wife as a team's new CEO and she would make all the team's public appearances. And so, like I said, with the $10 million slap, $10 million, you know, fine, which is relatively just a slap on the wrist because, again, I believe this guy's a billionaire. So who really cares? I mean, he just is removed from the spotlight because, you know, people react to that aspect of it. Uh, but the NFL gets to still have him as a money generator for the team, and he's just one of those, you know, guys that they're okay with. And um, so, like I said, he won't make any public appearances. That'll all be his wife, Tanya. So she's going to be the champion of whatever culture Washington wants to pretend that they're bringing into the NFL, which is is not one. Um, again, they haven't even thought of a team name yet, so we'll have to see what they're what what they're gonna do. Uh, but let's move on. Uh, let's let's talk about the Olympics real quick. Now, the Olympics they come every four years. I don't necessarily watch every event. Uh, you know, it's so it's so random and infrequent enough for me. I mean, to the point where it's like, eh, whatever. Um, now this year is a little bit different. I wouldn't even say this year is that much different. It's just a lot more drama this year before we even set foot in Tokyo. Uh, one of the main things we're going to start off with is, of course, Shari, uh, Shachari Richardson, of course, uh, out of Texas. She was a favorite, uh, fan favorite for the 100 meter, uh, 100 meter event, uh, at Tokyo. Now she's going to miss the event due to, uh, testing positive for marijuana. She'll win the 100-meter race at the U.S. Track and Field Trials in Oregon last month. Uh, however, uh, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency released their findings, and they will suspend Richardson for a month. However, this is the thing. This was the kicker. The suspension was going to be for a month. She hadn't appealed, and she immediately you know, was going to serve her suspension. With that being said, the suspension would have ended with enough time for her to actually join the team, but it would have been up to U.S. Track and Field which inevitably did not allow her to join. Take the argument up with them, not so much with the Olympics. Now, I know because a lot of people are mad. Um, they're talking about how they don't want to watch it or they might, or they're mad at other athletes who get a chance to participate. Look, that's the, look, that's the rules. Let's not, you know, be like that towards others because, again, you don't like it when it's you. That's all I'm saying. Now, again, um, I feel for because marijuana in my pool something is something for one that I consume, and being that it's something that I consume, I can't judge her like that. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable judging her negatively, even if she was an athlete. Now, again, the Olympic International Olympic Committee 
that's their rules. That's their standard. You can't really argue that. Again, you and I, a lot of us, are beginning to think that weed is not that serious of a situation. It's not. It never really has been. But again, for these committees and these athletic societies and sanctioning bodies, that's what they rather have, you know, I guess, drug-wise, pure athletes. That's their thing. That was the rules. Again, I understand what she was going through. I've been there. I've lost people in my family. I know what it's like. So, but we have to understand that. And this is the thing as black athletes and being African-American and black or however you want to describe yourself in this situation in general is uh, we know this uh, coming from this perspective. You got to come a little bit different than everybody else. You don't get away. You don't get the pass that the white athletes do. With that being said, though, uh, I know a lot of people wanted to bring up Michael Phelps. Uh, what his his drama happened after the Olympics. He, uh, he actually did serve a suspension that was three months. He also lost a, um, you know, uh, an endorsement as well. I don't know how this affects her per se, because this could have really been a big event for her, you know, right, you know, on pretty much it's in her prime. Um, and you know, if, if any time she was supposed to strike, it should have been now you kind of got to, I mean, again, with that being said, you, you kind of got to get out her track squad because again, the suspicion would have been lifted. I think they do. I think it would have been a month long suspension because that might be, you know, amount of time it might take to clear out her system and for her to test again. Um, so she could have been, she could have been able to, you know, test again right before the Olympics and been able to be cool. I mean, she would have been able to, you know, uh, void her system of that and she would have been all right. So you kind of got to be mad at the track. If you're going to, if you're going to be mad at anybody, be mad at her track squad. Um, the Olympic committee itself, I mean, that's their standard. Again, they got all these different, um, you know, codes and, you know, regulations regarding all these different things and it just so happens that you know smoking and consuming drugs is you know and marijuana included is not allowed and it's just it is unfortunate it is unfortunate but it is what it is and it it, it is it does suck because she, she i mean again this is her prime this would have been a high profile event for her and um it does it does kind of suck it does kind of suck so Moving on, guys. We're gonna take a quick break. I got through my rapid fire. Uh, we get through. Uh, when I get through the break, we're gonna go through some NBA uh, NBA Finals action. I gotta get through the first two games. Uh, maybe some news there as well. Also gonna be going over the MLB All Star Game as well. That is coming up. We're gonna be talking about the All Stars, breaking them down. Uh, maybe some more news there on top of that. So uh, we'll be right back, y'all. Oh yeah. All right, y'all, we are back. 
and we are going to break down some Major League Baseball. Before uh, we get into anything uh, scores or standings related, of course, I got those all-star game finalists available well, ready for you guys. Of course, it is going to be tomorrow. We got the home run derby going down too. Uh, a couple different uh, guys and then We got Pete Alonzo. I know Vlad Guerrero is in that one. Uh, a few of the, the, the heavy hitters too in the league. I want to say Max Muncy is in it, but uh, I know Shea Itania of the Angels is in it as well. But <clears throat> let's get into the what we call the Midsummer Classic, the actual All Star Game, National League versus American League. Let's break it down to starters. We're gonna start off with the pitchers, and we're gonna start off with the National League. Uh, f- first, uh, first pitcher in the rotation for the National League, we're gonna have. You Darvish of the Padres. Up next, we're going to have Curb, Corbin, not Kerbin. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. Corbin Burns of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is his first appearance in the All-Star Game. Currently, he's 4-4 four and four in terms of his win and loss this year. He has a 2.41 ERA, and he currently has a whip of 9-0, sorry, 9-0-2. So, doesn't really give up a whole lot of hits, doesn't give up a whole lot of runs. Average record, but again... That's more of a t- that more is reflected on his team and what they do overall as opposed to just him. Uh, moving on, of course, this is a name you guys are familiar with, Jacob Degrom from the from the Mets. We got Kevin Gaussman of the Giants. Uh, we got Josh Hader of the uh, the Brewers. Excuse me. We got Craig uh, Craig Kimbrell of the Cubs. Uh, we got Armand Marquez of the Rockies. Uh, Giving the whole town team some love, of course, uh, it's going to be in Denver. You had all that that controversy earlier in the year about it, you know, moving from Atlanta, but this is what it is. Uh, behind him, we have Mark Melancon of the Padres. This is his fourth appearance in the All-Star Game. This is his first since 2016. He does lead the majors with 25 saves, um, and I think earlier in his career, he was more of a relief, uh, relief anyway, so not necessarily a closer, uh, but... Uh, 25 saves, I think that's near the, yeah, he, again, he leads the majors, so that's, again, I I think that uh, comes a long way from him, because again, I don't think he was necessarily a a closer coming into the, to the, to the league, I think that, that came more so within the last couple of seasons, like I said, he was more so of a reliever, so he'll come in, you know, when the pitcher's having a rough outing, or usually around, you know, fifth or sixth inning, something like that, Uh, but again, just to kind of just take over in the middle of a game, now he's closing them out, and it looks like he's one of the best in the league at doing that. So, Mark Melikon. Uh Rounding out the uh, pitchers for the National League, we have Alex Reyes of the Cardinals. We have uh, Trevor Rogers of the Phillies and also Brandon Woodruff. Again, another Milwaukee Brewer here. We'll see how far uh, they can go uh, this year. They got three all-stars just in the pitching department. Man, that's, that's saying something. But you got a lot of teams with multiple teams here. I mean, multiple players here. Excuse me. Houston has like seven of them, I think. Well, at least had seven finalists. Uh, coming into this, uh, let's look at the catchers uh, for the National League. We have a uh, starter. Well, he did get injured recently. Uh, we did have Buster Posey uh, for the Giants uh, making, you know, a, again, a, a yet another appearance. Uh, this year he had a 965 OPS uh, and uh, he had a career high, which was a career high at the time. Uh, this was his first All Star game since 2018. I'm pretty sure his starter, uh, well, his replacement is going to be his backup. What was it? Was, yeah, you know. You know what I mean? JT Real Muto of the Phillies having a decent year as well. And, of course, the Phillies, they are in the hunt in the NL East. 
Let's move on to first base for the National League. We have starter, of uh, course, Freddie Freeman. Uh, he is from the Braves, of course, from the Braves. This is his third straight All-Star appearance. His mat, his backup is going to be Max Muncie of the Dodgers. One of my favorites at the position, at least, yeah, definitely one of my favorites at the position. On pace for 30 home runs, uh, he leads the majors in walks, drawn, of course, and on base percentage with 416. Uh, at second base, the starter is going to be Adam Frazier of the Pirates, and his backup is going to be Ozzy Albias and also uh, Jake Cronenworth. So Ozzy Albias is from the Braves, of course, Cronenworth is from the Padres. Uh, moving on to shortstop, the starter here is going to be Fernando Tatis Jr., no real surprise here. He leads the National League in home runs with 26, also slugging percentage with 695, and OPS with a 1.084. Uh, his backups are going to be Tyree Turner of the sorry Treya Turner of the Nationals, Brandon Crawford of the Giants. Uh, third all-star appearance for Crawford. Uh, he has a career high in slugging percentage with a 537, and also. OPS at an 885. At third base, uh, we have Nolan Arenado for the Cardinals. This is his first, his fourth, excuse me, uh, fourth all-star appearance in a row. Uh, he leads the Cardinals in home runs this year and also RBIs. His backup is going to be uh, Chris Bryant of the Cubs and also Eduardo Escobar of the Diamondbacks. Again, they're having a rough season, but that's one thing to be positive about. In the outfield, uh, wrapping everything up for the National League, we have starters Ronald Acuna Jr. He leads the National League in runs with 65. He has a 987 OPS, which also leads the National League. And he has 22 home runs with 16 stolen bases. This is what he does. He can hit for power. He can also get on base, and he can steal. He's a great base runner. Again, one of the best out there right now. We also got Jesse Winker of the Reds and also his teammate Nick Castellanos. Uh, we also got uh, Kyle Schwarber of the Nationals, who is on the 10-day uh, disabled list. I do not think he is going to be available uh, for uh, the All-Star game. But the backups we got Juan Soto of the Nationals and also Chris Taylor of the Dodgers. So, again, Dodgers got a lot of... Uh, superstars here the Giants uh, got some players to be accounted for here so I mean and again we talked about the Brewers so again we're looking at some decent talent here I mean it I mean this is gonna be an exciting game let's move on to the American League uh, we're gonna look at the pitchers of course Matt Barnes is gonna lead things off for the Red Sox uh, we also got Shane Bieber from the Indians we got our Chapman from the Yankees we also got Garrett Cole of the Yankees third straight all-star appearance from him he's leading the American League with 135 strikeouts uh, we also got ne uh, sorry Nathan Evolati from the from the Red Sox. This is his first uh, All-Star appearance. This he has a currently he has a 3.41 ERA, which is the second lowest of his career. Behind him we have Kyle Gibson of the Rangers, Liam Hendricks of the Chicago White Sox. We have Yusei Kikuchi of the Mariners behind them. We have Lance Lynn of the White Sox again, Shea Otani of the Angels. We have Ryan Presley of the Astros, and we have Carlos Rodon of the Chicago. Uh oh, I think that's the Cubs. I think. Yeah, and then we also rounding everything out. We have oh yeah no 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 sorry the White Sox take that back. We're talking American League. Sorry, we have Gregory Soto the Tigers round everything out for the pitchers. Moving on to the catchers for the American League, we have Salvador Perez for the Royals. This is his sixth appearance in the All Star game. His backup is going to be Mike Zunino with the Rays. Home run hitter, uh, five fifty uh, slugging percentage right now. He has three home runs of four hundred fifty feet. And nine with an exit velocity, velocity, excuse me, of 110 miles per hour. So he hits the ball far. He hits the ball hard. I'm 
he should be in the home run derby as well, if I'm not mistaken. I'd be cr- it'd be crazy if he wasn't. Um, at first base, we have starter Vlad Guerrero Jr., a like father-like son, except his dad played in the outfield. But again, Vladimir Guerrero, I think they play on the same team too. Blue Jays, he is the youngest uh, player with the most votes. Uh, his backup is going to be power hitters Matt Olson of the A's and also Jared Walsh of the Angels. At second base, we have Marcus Simeon of the Blue Jays. He's going to be your starter, and backing him up is going to be Jose Altuve of the Astros. Uh, at shortstop, we have starter Xander Bogart of the Red Sox. Bogarts is the third Red Sox in uh, third Red Sox in MLB third Red Sox excuse me in MLB history to start in the All Star game at shortstop. The others being Rocco Petrocelli and also Joe Cronin, who did, I believe did it multiple times. I think over three. Backup uh, his backups this year is going to be Bo Bichette, the Blue Jays, also Carlos Correa of the Astros. Uh, uh, sorry, Bichet is having a career batting average of 297 and also a slugging percentage of 513. As for Correa, he is having the second best uh, statistical career of his of his career uh, with a 300 batting average and a 534 slugging percentage. At third base, we have starter uh, Rafael Devers of the Red Sox. He is the first Red Sox at third base to start was well, a start at third base since uh, Shea Hillebrand in 2002. I remember that that name. That's a long ass time ago. I'm getting old. Backup Jose Ramirez. Uh, his backup is gonna be Jose Ramirez of the Indians at DH because of course you know in the American League you have a person that's just designated to hit. He just hits the ball. The starter is gonna be Shea Otani. Again, he will, he's gonna be on the mound and he's gonna be you know behind the plate as well. He leads the majors. Um, I think he's at 33, maybe even 34 home runs at the moment. He will also be in the home run derby. Uh, his backup, I did mention that before, his backups are going to be Nelson Cruz of the Twins. He's still hitting the ball hard uh, at his age. I think he's almost 37, 38, I think around there. You also got J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox. Always been a reliable power hitter for the Red Sox, so you got that there. And then out there in the outfield, wrap everything up for the American League. The starters are going to be Mike Trout of the Angels, go figure. Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, and Tay Oscar, uh, Tay Oscar Hernandez of the Blue Jays. Uh, this is the ninth appearance for Trout. This is not, you know, hey, this is just run of the mill now. We're used to this. His backups are going to be Michael Brantley. Well, their backups are going to be Michael Brantley of the Astros, Joey Gallo of the Rangers, Aldolis Garcia of the Rangers, and also Cedric Mullins of the Orioles. Well, there we go. Like I said, these are all the starters for the All-Star Game. Of course, it's going to be tomorrow. The Home Run Derby isn't tonight. It's going to be tomorrow as well. And uh, we will be covering all that as soon as possible and um yeah let's move on to the scores from last night and then we'll take a look at the take a look at the standings uh to finish everything up here so let's go ahead and get into it all right uh things get started started in the in the american league west with the angels getting it done against the mariners seven to one uh then we got the rockies getting it done against the potters in an upset three to one uh we got the diamondbacks they take another loss here this time to the dodgers Four to seven. Uh, we got the Nationals. Sorry, yes, the Nationals getting swept by the Giants here, three to one in their series finale. Uh, the Giants with the fifty-seven and thirty-two. The the Nationals are forty-two and forty-seven. Uh, for uh, the Nationals right fielder Juan Soto, of course, their all-star. Uh, he was able to get uh, bring in the team's only run. Uh, they were one and seven with runners in scoring position, and five runners were left on base. 
again. So they had chances. They just couldn't pull through on the mound. L, uh, sorry, Eric Fetty took the loss here. Uh, he's four and six currently on the year. He went five innings, gave up eight hits, three earned runs, and he would have seven strikeouts. But for the Giants, catcher Kirk Casale in place, oh, well, in, you know, relief of uh, an injured Buster Posey is showing off. Three run home run from him. Uh, that was what, that's all it took. Uh, pitcher Kevin Gossman, again, another all-star for the, the team across the bay for me. Uh, keeps doing his thing. Currently, of course, he got the win yesterday. He's currently 9-3 and three on the year. Uh, six innings of work from him. Four hits given up. Just one on a run. And he had uh, three, three walks, but he also had nine strikeouts as well. Jake McGee would end up getting the save for the Giants. His 19th on the year. Moving on, my A's, they get it done. They end up closing out the series despite that ugly game, uh, that ugly first game. But they end up uh, coming out on the winning edge of the se series-wise against the Rangers, uh, getting the final win in this one, four to one. Uh, the A's move up to move to forty, sorry, fifty-two and forty. The Rangers are thirty-five and fifty-five. And despite the records, um, and despite the placement in the standings, the A's seem to struggle against this team for some reason. And part of that is because we don't score a whole lot of runs. We'll get deeper into that as the season progresses, though. Uh, but uh, for the A's today, uh, they well yesterday they they did get some runs, and uh, a lot of them were brought in by your boy Matt Olson. Again, our All Star here, two home runs from him. Uh, second baseman Jed Lowry and also catcher Sean Murphy, uh, who have both been pretty hot or at least decently of late getting some RBIs from being the ones to generate some offense for us they both get an RBI uh, amongst the both of them uh, on the mound Anthony Bassett got the start he got the win uh, he's currently 10 and 2 on the year I don't know how he kind of I don't know how he got overlooked for the all-star I maybe just because it's just the A's and just that's just the way it goes uh but he had seven innings of work on this one four hits and an earned run and three k's and lou trevino will get the save uh he has 14 on the year for the rangers uh second baseman nick solak was able to drive in the team's only run uh moving on we got the reds getting it done against the brewers three to one we got the astros getting it done by one against the yankees eight to seven we got the twins beating the tigers here sorry beating the tigers here 12 to nine uh we do have uh al versus nl matchup uh between the phillies and the red sox here the phillies get the best of the red sox in this one and i believe they win the series as well uh for the phillies they're currently 44 and 44 so 500 and then we have the red sox here they are 55 and 36 despite the loss for the phillies uh they were helped out offensively by uh sorry I want to say strong safety so bad, but I know it's baseball, so I got to say shortstop. Ronald Torres, a uh, home run from him, three total RBIs. Catcher Drake, uh, sorry, catcher JT Real Muto again, all star for the Phillies, brings in the RBI as well. And on the mound, uh, pitcher uh, Christopher Sanchez gets the W. This is his first one of the year. Again, a struggle, a struggle from their start on the mound. Uh, so he came in, I believe, around three or so innings later maybe a couple maybe maybe around the fifth he puts in about three innings of work and you know how base well i don't i don't know if i don't in terms of then deciding who the winner is of a game i don't always know it's a to me that's a formula that i don't know somebody's gonna have to teach me that one i don't know how they determine i would figure if a pitcher has a good i mean i the only thing that i could tell you is if a pitcher has a decent outing he goes five innings he somehow gets credited with the win outside of that I don't know how these relievers get charged with W's. I could not tell you. 
Anyways, long story short, let's talk about the Red Sox real quick. Uh, they were led by, of course, their all-star, Xander Bogarts. He had a solo home run. Second baseman, Christian Arroyo. And first baseman, Bobby Dahlbeck, would also bring in RBIs as well. But it just wasn't enough. They lost by one. The Braves beat the Mar Sorry, the Braves lose to the Marlins 4-7. The Blue Jays get it done against the Rays 3-1. Actually, I think that's the other way around. The Rays beat the Blue the, uh I can't remember that score. Sorry, I want to say, <laughs> I want to say the Rays beat the Blue Jays, but I, I could be wrong. Final score to that scored it out one Blue Jays three Rays one. If I'm wrong that, about that one, let me know. Uh, I got the Pirates beating the Mets here six to five, another upset, and rounding everything out, we had the Chicago Chicago White Sox beating the Orioles seven to five. That is no, you know, I'm not surprised about that. Let's look at the standings real quick in the American League. We got the uh, in the East. We had the Red Sox on top, 55 and 36, five and five in their last ten. Behind them, we had the Blue Jays, just at one and a half. Sorry, I keep saying the Blue Jays, and it's <laughs> oh man. Anyways, the Tampa Bay Rays are behind them at 50, 53 and 37, just one and a half games back, but they've gone six and four in their last ten. Uh, the Blue Jays are in third place, eight games back, 45 and 42, and four and six in their last ten. And rounding out the bottom, we have the Yankees here. They're still kind of in the mix, but of course we have the Orioles here who are way out of it at 28 and 61. Uh, of course, the Yankees, 46 and 43. That's you know, of course, their standard. This is a this is a bad year. This is terrible for them. They're gonna fire somebody. <laughs> Watch, in the AL sorry in the yes in the AL Central we have the White Sox they've been on top the whole season. Um, I don't see that changing so much. Uh, fifty five sorry fifty four and thirty five seven and three in the last ten. The Indians are behind them eight games back three and seven in the last ten. The Indians are forty five and forty two. Um, behind them we have the Tigers, Twins, and Royals. Uh, for the Tigers they are forty and fifty one. The Twins are thirty nine and fifty. And for the Royals. Who were in a decent spot, maybe in April, have completely fallen off the wagon. They're done. Uh, let's move out to the AL West. We have the Astros here, 55 and 36. They're seven and three in their last ten. Uh, we have the A's, three and a half games behind them, 52 and 40, four and six in their last ten. So they're not as consistent, uh, particularly against teams above 500. We got to figure that out. And also, we struggle against anybody like the Rangers. So that ain't good. The Mariners, 48 and 43. They are. They are coming together as of lately. This is why the A's need to get their shit together. Um, seven and a half, seven games back from the lead. From the lead, uh, they're only maybe four games back from the A's in terms of a wild card. Um, they are six and four in the last ten. The Angels are forty-five and forty-four, and the Rangers are thirty-five and fifty-five. Moving out to the National League, uh, we're going to start off in the East. Of course, the uh, Mets are forty-seven, are on top here still, forty-seven and forty-six and four in the last ten. We have the Phillies here; they are uh, a few games behind them, three and a half games to be exact, seven and three in the last ten. Of course, they are five hundred at forty-four and forty-four. Uh, behind them, uh, we have the. Um, Braves four games back from the league, of course, 44 and 45, six and four in the last ten, and then we uh, have the Nationals and the Marlins here at the bottom, 42 and 30, sorry, 42 and 47 and 39 and 50, uh, respectively, for those guys. Uh, in the Central, we have the Brewers; they're still on top, 53 and 39, four and six in the last ten. We have the Reds here, 48 and 42, 
four games back from them, eight and two in the last ten. So they're on the rise. They have a couple all stars there. We talked about them uh, with Jesse Winker and also Nick Castellanos. Let's see what they can do. Um, we have the Cubs here at forty four and forty six, eight games back. We have the Cardinals at forty four and forty six. They've um, they were. They were sniffing um, around the second place spot. They kind of dropped to the third place spot. The Cubs are kind of struggling too. So you have this situation here where the where the Reds have kind of risen to the top here, um, and it's unfortunate that uh, it, it, well for them they're going to have to kind of you know win this. Well for them they're going to have to win their division because if, if you're looking at the the NL West right now with the Dodgers and the Padres, I mean you know that's pretty much if I'm not mistaken that's pretty much a wild card right there. Um, in terms of their record, so um, the Reds, they might they might have to win this division, but they're looking good. I mean, they've been on a, a hot streak. If you look, if you look at their last ten, usually it's been seven and three, eight and two. And uh, I tell people when you know a lot of you know, you know you want to look at the record. Of course, you look at the stats as well. But when you're looking at the win and loss record, you know look at you know things like how how well they've done in the last ten, and consistently look at that. If they're five and five. Or let's say, for instance, or they're six and four, multiple you know weeks in a row, or up you know seven and three in the last ten, six and four in the last ten, eight and two, nine and one. That means this team is consistent. They're consistently reeling off wins, and you know wins elevate you in these standings. I mean they're crucial uh, because for the Reds here, I mean I'm just looking at it right now. They're they're more than likely you know they're gonna have to win this division. So they got to keep getting wins. They got to keep going eight and two, nine and one, seven and three. They can't really go five and five, and that makes them stagnant. They can't go four and six because they're gonna be on the, the downtrend. With the way the Cubs are playing though, and the Cardinals are playing, I, you know, I see one of them kind of being kind of out of the mix as well. Um, I think the Cubs or the Cardinals. I mean, it's gonna be a definite battle for third place. But I think, I mean, with the way that the Reds and the Brewers are playing, I don't think they can they can compete for a wild card or the division unless the Brewers fall off the map, the Reds fall off the map. I mean, but I just don't see it. I, I see the, the the Reds playing way too consistent at this point. Brewers, same thing. They have a deep pitching rotation. We saw that in terms of their all-stars. So, yeah. Um, of course, at the bottom of the NL Central, the Pirates, they don't matter right now. Sorry. Um, at the West, uh, in, well, out West, we have the Giants on top still. 57 and 32. I think this is the record. Yeah, this is the best record in all of baseball. Can't say nothing really negative about them. Seven and three in the last ten. Yeah, moving on. Uh, we have the Dodgers here, 56 and 35, two games back, six and four in the last ten. The Dodgers are on that half, though. Um, I will say that the Padres still in the mix as well, although they are six games back, four and six in the last ten. So they're on a, a downtrend just a little bit. But again, behind them we have the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. So. They're looking to compete with the Dodgers and the Giants. I mean, yeah. So, for the Padres, they're not even worried about the Rockies. I think in the Central, we had the Reds and the Brewers not really worried about the Cubs or the Cardinals right now. And in out East, it is a little bit close. Um, we have the, the Mets. They're still on top. But they're not always consistent. And we do have the Phillies that do sneak uh, some series every now and again. Like I, like I said, I think they got the best of the Red Sox in their last series just recently this weekend. Um, and it's a little bit close um, still. And none of these teams are super consistent in the East. So you might have some, some questions there. As far as the American League right now, um, I mean, if we're looking at if the season were to end tomorrow, um, your division – your divisional winners are going to be Red Sox, uh, White Sox, and Astros, unfortunately. 
Um, I don't like the Astros, of course. We know this. Um, and as far as your wild card is concerned, we have Rays and A's again. So um, it looks like uh, we're going to have to be ready to take the take Tampa Bay out of here. Uh, that's usually been our playoff rival, one of our playoff rivals so far. Um, if the, like I said, if the season were to end today, it'll be a wild card match between the two of us. Um, you know, the A's just got to get consistent in terms of run run generation and, and you know, close, being able to close teams out. Um, I think offensively that is one of our biggest issues is we can't close teams out offensively. We can't, you know, generate runs um, in the latter half of the game, you know, in the eighth and ninth innings necessarily, uh, seventh through nine really. Those are issues for us. We also do not have the greatest record against teams above 500. Again, we're going to have to be playing these teams in the playoffs if we say that they're, if we claim that, these, that, that we are a playoff team. We're going to be seeing these teams. So um, the A's got to get consistent. The Rays, they're doing their thing in the East right now. The Red Sox are just really good right now. And as far as the Central is concerned, of course, the White Sox, they're pretty much going to win that. I don't, I don't see the Indians competing necessarily. All right, y'all. Before I let y'all go, let's break down some NBA. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the finals. Of course, Game Three was yesterday. Um, the Bucks uh, they finally get a win in this one. Uh, final score one twenty to one hundred. Again, uh, this was kind of the reverse of the Game Two. Um, pretty much a blowout win for the Suns. They had a really big second quarter. This game, it was a really big second quarter from the Bucks. Let's break it down. For the Suns, Chris Paul would have 19 points, 9 assists. DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder would both score 18. Ayton would put up 9 rebounds. Crowder would put up 6. For the Bucks, Giannis would have 41 points, 6 assists, and also 13 rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday would have 21 points, 9 assists, and also 5 rebounds. And Chris Middleton would have 18 points, 6 assists, and also 7 rebounds. Couple uh, takeaways from the game: uh, the Suns would shoot nine of thirty-one from three-point. Uh, they were also, like I said, outscored in the second quarter, thirty-five to seventeen. Uh, again, there was a discrepancy in terms of uh, foul shots um, in this game. Um, the Suns, sorry, not the Suns, but the Bucks went to the line a lot more. But um, I think that's because the, the the Bucks generally with Giannis play a more aggressive style of basketball where they attack the rim a lot more. So again, if you make those con, if you make a contact with somebody going to the rim, a lot of times they're going to call you. That's just call you on it. That's just the way that it is. I mean, game one, uh, the Suns got a lot of calls, and you had the the Bucks complaining about it. I- again, uh, with that being said, the opportunities that the Suns had at the line, they didn't they didn't really do so well. I think they shot around fifty or sixty percent. Again, you didn't make the, the the most of the opportunities you did have there, and then also you just had a really bad night from three. You were really off. And the thing about it is, 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 you know, you got these teams that, you know, rely upon jump shooting and three-point shooting and just, you know, volume shooting from outside and all that. You know, I think it's good to rely on. I mean, there's, there's a chance where these teams explode and then you have these, you know, offensive showcases. Also, there's a time where you could just go cold. And, I you know, Booker just had a cold night, you know, um, Paul also had somewhat of a cold night if you look at the numbers. Uh, what Giannis and, and Milwaukee is trying to do, although they're not the greatest three-point shooting team, I hope they do get better at it, though, is that uh, they are able to make shit balance. They, I mean, they did um, improve from three in this game. 
Uh, they shot decently, I want to say around f almost 40%, which is good for them. Uh, the thing that they like to do, and I like what they do, they're trying to be as balanced as possible. So they, they send Giannis to attack the paint, and they'll make some plays uh, with him and, and whoever can attack, you know, make those type of plays. And they'll set those plays up. They also like to set up, you know, Chris Middleton, who's a, who can shoot the three, who can shoot in volume. So um, and they also have other, you know, those type of shooters on their team, you know, like Pat Connaughton and stuff like that. So I do see the Bucks trying to take a more balanced approach. They also outscored again. They also outscored the Bucks in the paint, you know, like 55 points to, to 30, I want to say. So, again, the Bucks have their advantages. They just haven't showed up just yet. Uh, can they be consistent? Of course, uh, the Bucks controlled the, the rebound advantage, 47 to 36. They also had 13 offensive rebounds. They also forced eight steals and, eight, and 14 turnovers altogether. So, again, uh, they played really well defensively. Uh, they got the rebounds. Again, the thing that they, you know, when they do these things, when they, when they control the rebound, uh, when they control the assist totals, when they when they pass the ball well, when they're making shots, because that's really what leads to the assists is you have to make the shot. So when they're putting down buckets, their assist totals goes up. Uh, they're also playing very well defensively. Again, they forced fourteen turn they forced fourteen turnovers. Excuse me, eight steals. So again, they're after it defensively. They they were they were creating uh, multiple opportunities for them to score buckets. That's how you win the games. Um, can they do that? you know, for four straight games? I don't know. I mean, they, they're going to have to at least attempt it. I don't know if they win all those games. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, is it still, do I think it can go seven now? After uh, I saw the first two, possibly. Um, game four is going to tell you a lot about where the series is going to go. If Milwaukee can even this series up, I'm more inclined to say that this series can go seven. If Phoenix gets the win here and they go up 3-1, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to say that they win it within at least six. I'm going to have to go with six. It's just, um, that's just the way it is for me. I got to go like that. Uh, but let's move on. We do have a couple little tidbits to talk about in the NBA. Nothing really nothing really big right now. But uh, there is some drama brewing at ESPN uh, and with the NBA and their, you know, their coverage team in general. Of course, I'm pretty sure a lot of you, at least in the NBA world, have heard about Rachel Nichols and the complaints that she made recently about being uh, replaced by Maria Taylor. And this is all about, you know, of course, uh, covering the NBA Finals. And, um, of course, I'm not going to, I don't know everything she, well, I mean, I, I heard the comments. I don't remember everything she said uh, verbatim. Of course, she was talking to LeBron and uh, for what it's worth, uh, well, yeah, for what it's worth, some black players have come out, the former black players, uh, you know, like Steven Jackson, have come out the woodwork to defend her. I don't know why or what for. Uh, but basically, uh, long story short, what, what her complaint was, uh, was that the NFL, sorry, the NFL, sorry, guys, it's, it's, it's Monday morning. I got to get ready to go to work soon, so bear with me. Uh, now, uh, you know what her complaint was was you know she's being replaced by Maria Taylor who's you know a phenomenal you know analyst she knows what she's talking about I don't have a problem with all that I, I personally don't if that's what the NBA wanted to do that's what the NBA wanted to do um, my thing is when are y'all gonna when are they in terms of you know Rachel Nichols and even a Maria Taylor and I can't remember the Carrie Champion I think the other one when are y'all going to take y'all leagues more seriously? When are y'all going to be, you know, 
I'm just saying, this drama should have been over. See, again, if y'all so into y'all cause and so, why weren't y'all fighting over? Why you not complaining about who's who's covering the WNBA finals? Oh, right, right, oh, right. Anyways, y'all don't even care about your own leagues. Anyways, that's all I wanted to say. That's the main point right there. Anyways, um... You know, Rachel is over here complaining about, well, ESPN has this poor track record with race relations, and they're trying to make right with that by making Maria, you know, Maria Taylor this, and, you know, Black Lives Matter, and whatever. Um, and that might be the case, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, that's what corporations, the type of stuff corporations do. Um, I mean... Of course, as a white woman, she's going to face fallout for saying that. Um, I can't, I mean, if a brother said it, would you be, would would y'all be inclined to, to drag him, you know, like if, you know what I'm saying? If, if, um, let's say for instance, you know, it's Pride Month, right? And maybe, you know, Charles Barkley was being replaced on, you know, uh, NBA TV or, you know, the, you know what they do, NBA Live, you know, whoever. And Kenny the Jet and them, he was replaced by some openly gay, you know, guy, right? And he got caught saying this. Would you be on his head for this, or was it because Rachel Nichols is white? And again, you know, again, I don't have nothing against Maria Taylor getting a job and being able to cover the finals. I don't, I don't really care about. I mean, I like watching the game. I don't really care about who's giving the sideline interviews, who's giving the you know, I mean, again, the best one to ever do it for me was Marv Albert, okay? Um, and I think Ernie, the, the guy from TNT, is a pretty good guy, too, in terms of my announcement people. So, that's I'm good with those guys. Uh, those are my memories. I ain't tripping about all that other shit if it was Rachel Nichols or, you know, sideline coverage. That don't matter to me, to be honest. Um, that That's uh, Rachel saying something. Yeah, so all that sideline coverage, it don't matter. It could be Doris Burke, any one of them. I don't care. Like, it don't bother me. But David Aldridge, I mean, come on. Like, I'm, I, it don't make me want to watch it no more and more, no, you know, no less. That, that you know, situation or whoever, you know, does that coverage, that has no bearing on me watching the finals. So, um, you know, she says something, she spoke her mind and, you know, um, she revealed, I mean, I, let's keep it real here. I kind of feel that that's what ESPN was doing. I'm going to be honest with you, you know, just virtue signaling. That's what corporations do. Um, somebody leaked their comments could have been LeBron cause that's who she was talking to. So somebody's a snitch. Um, and I don't really like that. So yeah, I mean, um, I don't feel any type of way about her comments. I know that sensitive people will, you know, who like to be a victim, might, would like would have a complaint. But I mean, um, in a, in a, in a way, she's kind of victimizing herself. I mean, this shit happens. I mean, motherfuckers, they you know they come up in the game, and people want to put them on. And ESPN wanted to put Maria Taylor on for that moment. So I mean, you just you just take it, and you be you know you're happy with what you gain there. You've had a show on there. You've had the jump. I mean, it's like, how much more do you really need on there? Like, how much more clout from ESPN do you need, Rachel Nichols? So it's like, you know, I hear both sides of it. But, you know, she said what she said. It ain't the worst thing she could have said. 
because again, I mean, it is it is some truth to that. You know, I, I can I can understand that. But, you know, being who she is in her race, she can't just say shit like that. They're not going to like that. They're not going to like it. But imagine if, if Charles Barkley or one of the, like, Shaq was replaced by some gay dude. He said something about gay dudes. And, you know, I don't think people, at least, or, you know, on our side, I don't think people on our side would be tripping to, oh, yeah, he did. He got, y'all be complaining if he got replaced. If one of our people got replaced on any of them shows, we'd be complaining. You know, Rachel Nichols get replaced by somebody black. Hey. That's a win. We we act as though that's a win from us, but this is all corporate, you know. This ain't even got nothing to do with all that. It is kind of it is virtue signaling, you know. She just can't, you know. You she just and being a white woman and saying that just puts her even more in shit. <laughs> so I mean, it's just the way that it is. I mean, it's, it's it sucks, but um, what can you do? All right, y'all. I got all my takes out for this morning. I'm going to leave my links available in the, the description for this episode. Of course, you can hit me up online. You can follow me on uh, Instagram, also Facebook, all that stuff. Also, you know, check out the YouTube channel as well. I'm going to leave a link for that um, for you guys, too. Um, if, any guys, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. I'm going to try to holler at you really soon. As far as my next episode is concerned on the podcast hype, uh, we are working on some more news. Of course, uh, in the NBA, we have some more coaching signings. Dallas has uh, signed a new coach. Uh, another assist. I can't I can't remember the team right now. Uh, but another former assistant. So we're going to get into that. Uh, maybe some more Aaron Rodgers drama uh, as well. Um, I am working on some, uh, some new... YouTube projects. I am working. I I do gotta finish the worst Republican states. Uh, I apologize, guys. I was not necessarily feeling super great. Uh, I had a little bit of a stomach bug this weekend, so dealt with that. So uh, look out for that eight worst Republican states. I do have some sports stories after that to get to on the YouTube pipe. So after the eight worst states, look out for some more sports uh, content. We are getting uh, closer to the college football season. Uh, August, that's the time of the year that I like. So I want to put out some special, uh, if not one, maybe two videos. Uh, well, of course, it's going to be more, but uh, I want to really do something special to kind of culminate uh, the start of college football. So if I can't get through both of them um, before the start, you will see both of them at some point, but you will see one of the two. Uh, before or to kind of christen in the college football season that is my goal uh, for YouTube right now um, I'm not the fastest at this but I'm learning as I go along so again show me as much support as you can uh, take a listen leave feedback uh, check out the YouTube as well uh, this is your man L Jamal once again sign out for now peace out one love I'll holler at you guys later <laughs>